You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. Uh, today I have the distinct privilege to introduce our, our preacher today, uh, Brother Tommy Vincent, and because I was... Uh, threatened, told is probably a better word, but threatened to make it this fairly short so I don't cut into his preaching time. Uh, I've divided this very organized into two uh, distinct areas. The first one is what I might call, I think uh, Tommy would agree, uh, the Fox News part, which is important stuff, but it's it's kind of stuff that you might see on the on the media. Uh, uh, Pastor Tommy's been preaching for pastoring for over 56 years. He's pastored churches in at least three states. He's preached around the world. He's an author. If you don't believe me, go to Amazon, pick up his book on Ruth. You'll enjoy it. Uh, he leads a nonprofit. He has supported the Southern Baptist Convention in local, state, and national levels. And um, he leaps tall buildings with a single bound. It's faster than a locomotive. Uh, he's, uh, he's just an amazing uh, minister of God. Um, now, the second part is what I would call the important part. I'm sure that Pastor Tommy would agree with me on this, too. Uh, Pastor Tommy, uh, Brother Tommy's been married to his wife, Rose, sitting right next to him for over 50 years. I had an exact number, but I didn't want to embarrass myself. How many is it? Uh, 57 years. Man. Today. Happy anniversary. I'd have brought a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit if I'd have known that before I, I came. Um, uh, Tommy, in case you didn't know, is uh, Vicki Fox's father. Uh, that makes him uh, Wentz, father-in-law. Um, he is a mentor to many uh, pastors and teachers. One of them is me. And most of all, he's my friend. Uh, let's give Pastor Tommy a, a warm Piperton uh, welcome. Nice to have you, sir, here. Uh, after I pray for the message, uh, Tommy's going to come up, and he's going to bring us the word from 2 Timothy. So let us pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day. Father, thank you for this church and this church family. Father, we see how you have blessed us we ask that you continue to bless us. We ask that you continue to uh, keep us marching down the road uh, in which we can uh, reflect your kingdom on earth. Father, I lift up Pastor Tommy today, uh, especially. Would you please bless his message, Father? Would you cause us to hear and retain exactly what you want us to hear from his message? In Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Steve, and I appreciate the opportunity to be back at Piperton. Uh, I was here when Brother Gary was your interim pastor a number of years ago, and he had to be out of town, and uh, it's great to be back. I know some of you are wondering, how in the world did that man talk that beautiful lady into marrying him 57 years ago? Well, it's just none of your business. We dated four years. Took me a while, but I did it. 
And uh, it's been a blessing to get to walk life's journey with Rose. She, somebody asked her at one of the churches I was interim some time back, said, well, Ms. Vesson, do you always travel with Brother Tommy? She said, yes, I do. She said, it takes both of us to get here and to get home. So uh, <laughs> we're at that point in our life where that's very important. She's my GPS and helps me uh, remember it. But both of us can usually end up remembering stuff. So uh, that's a blessing. I, uh, I have a special love for your pastor, as you well know. When we moved to Leewood Baptist Church, Vicki uh, just finished her freshman year in college, and, and uh, several young men there at Leewood were expressed an interest to date her. But somebody, uh, one day, uh, I found out that Went Fox had asked her for a date. Now, I began to inquire around the church about Went Fox. <laughs> And I'm telling you, I, I said to one person, uh, I said, well, Vicki's been asked to go out by Went Fox. And they said, Went Fox? He's an accident waiting to happen. And uh, it wasn't that Went had a bad reputation. He just had an active reputation. But honestly, under God, I could not have handpicked a better person uh, to, uh, to love my daughter and to be the father of four of my precious grandchildren. Well, I've been camped out in 2 Timothy now for several weeks, and I'm just going to stay there today because that's what's on my heart. I think it's, it's such a simple message, but yet at the same time, it's such a needed message in the church today. And uh, I want you to turn to the last recorded words of the Apostle Paul, and that would be in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, Paul wrote, in, he was imprisoned twice in Rome. Uh, the first imprisonment was a somewhat of a ca more casual imprisonment. Uh, it wasn't easy, obviously, but it was, un it was a, basically a house arrest. Uh, he was there with soldiers watching him all the time. But he had a measure of freedom, and he was allowed friends to come and go. And, and during that period of time, he could meet with guests, and he could share the, uh, evangelize as folks would give him an opportunity. And he could write letters. And so he, he wrote a number of letters to different churches, Ephesus and Philippians and, and Colossians and others. But then it appears that he was, he was released for a period of time from that first imprisonment. And we don't know exactly how long he was free, but at some point he was suddenly arrested and imprisoned again, taken immediately back to Rome, but this time not under house arrest, but this time he was placed on death row. And when we read 2 Timothy chapter 4, we are reading his very last words. It's interesting that in this second imprisonment, which, uh, which his execution was a, was a known fact, he was, it was not if he was going to be executed, it was when. But he's no longer writing to churches as a whole, but he's writing to his young Proteges. He's writing to these young preachers, Timothy and Titus and others. He is, he is, his heart is longing to see those, those men that he's invested his life in. And so in 2 
Timothy chapter 4. He's writing to Timothy. Timothy is the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Ephesus. I'm, I'm saying that tongue in cheek now. But he, he was pastor in Ephesus. And uh, Paul is writing to the young preacher Timothy who pastors the church in Ephesus. And he's expressing his deep felt desire to see Timothy before he dies. And so I, I entitled this message, We Need Each Other. And I want you to notice how badly Paul, the writer of half of the New Testament, how badly he needed his friends at this time in his life. And uh, he says in verse 9 to Timothy, make every effort to come to me soon. Now you'll notice down in verse 21, he says that again in a little different way. He says, make every effort to come before winter. Now Paul knew that his execution was imminent. He didn't know exactly what day or what hour, but he lived with the expectation of hearing the spiked shoes of the Roman soldier coming to take him and lead him out to the execution block where his head would be chopped off. He didn't know when that would be, but he lives in, in, in light of that. That sword of Damocles hangs over his head. And he says to Timothy, I want you to come. I want to see you before that happens. I want to see you before I die. And when he tells him to come before winter, what that simply means is that if you don't come before winter, you can't sail from Ephesus to Rome during the wintertime because the harbors are not sailable. <laughs> and so if you don't come before winter, you can't come until spring. And if you don't come until spring, you might as well not come at all. So he, it's a cry for Timothy to come. Now we'll, we'll see what that means to Timothy also in just a moment. He says, For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bless his precious heart. Old Dr. Luke, he stayed with Paul. You read those wee sections of the book of Acts, and you notice that Paul is in jail, but there's Luke too. He's there with him. He was Paul's personal emanuensis, or secretary, but he was also Paul's personal physician. He says, only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you. Now that's John Mark. That's the author of the Gospel of Mark. Now he says, I need to see Mark before I die too. Timothy, I need to see you and I need to see Mark. Bring him with you for he is useful to me for service. Paul wasn't about to give up. He was still working and would, would not rust out. He might wear out, but he's not going to rust out. He, he, and you'll see in a little bit that he's asking uh, for, for uh, Timothy to bring with him his writing materials and the things he needs to uh, continue his ministry. Now, he says, uh, but, uh, but Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus probably to replace Timothy. In other words, Paul is writing this by faith. He's saying, I'm sending your replacement. Uh, I want you to come and I'm sending uh, Tychicus to take your place in leadership there at Ephesus. 
And when you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus, and the books, and especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him for yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. At my first defense, no one supported me. You hear the pathos in that? At my first defense, where are all those people that met him when he came to Rome? Where, where are all of those many, many friends he has led to Christ? He said, when I stood at my first trial, that was the trial to determine his guilt or innocence. He said, nobody was there. Nobody would stand with me. But, blessed conjunction, all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. And then he goes on to say, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to the heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now I want you to notice two things in this text. First of all, I want you to notice why Paul needed Timothy. And secondly, and in closing, we'll discuss real briefly why Timothy needed Paul. We need each other. That's a truth that runs throughout the Scripture. Uh, you know, when, when, I see, uh, when I see Joshua down in the valley fighting the Amalekites when the Israelites were going into the land of Canaan, what did God tell Joshua? He said, Joshua, as long as Moses standing on the mountain has his hands held up, you're going to win the battle down in the valley. But as long as Moses droops his hands, you're going to be defeated. Basically, it's a principle. You see, the victory didn't really depend on Joshua out there in the battle. The victory really was in the hands of the intercessor who was up on the mountain. And what God is saying is this, Joshua, you need Moses. But Moses needed somebody too because he, was he would get tired. He could only hold his hands up so long. So he needed Aaron and her to stand under his arms and hold him up. The point is they needed each other. They couldn't accomplish the will of God for their own personal lives without the involvement of others, people of faith, to help them and to encourage and support them. Yeah, you know, there's, there's so many illustrations of that throughout Scripture. God made us that way. And He calls us a body of Christ on purpose. Because the hand needs the foot, the eye needs the ear. We need each other. Now, what was it that Paul needed from Timothy? Well, let me tell you quickly three things. Number one, he needed Timothy to fill a void in his life. Now that void had been created by several different things. Did you notice what the text says in verse 10? For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. That first void created in Paul's life was created by desertion. That word, Demas, hath deserted me, is the same word Jesus used from the cross 
when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is the word to be forsaken. One translation puts it this way. He left me in the lurch. Now the significance of that is this. That not only did Demas leave Paul, he left Paul at a time when Paul needed him the most. In other words, he forsook him. He left him. It's the same word that the writer of Hebrews uses in Hebrews 13.5 when he says, I will never leave you nor, what church? Forsake you. In other words, what, what Paul is saying here is this, Demas did to me what Jesus said he would never do. And so there was a void, an emptiness in Paul's life that had been created by one of his close ministry associates who had deserted him. Now, uh, in Colossians chapter 4 and in Philemon verse 24, it uses these words to describe Demas, a fellow servant. And there's a, a one line in the book of Colossians that says, Demas, our fellow servant, also sends greetings. Te uh, uh, Demas had a, an impeccable track record. Now, why did Demas forsake Paul? I don't think he just woke up one morning and decided to go out and say, I just believe I'll go out and be a heretic. I don't believe he did that. I believe that as Nero turned up the fire in Rome, as the persecution became greater, as the danger in being a professing Christian became greater, that, that Demas made a decision to put safety and comfort over commitment and the will of God. You say, well, can we do the same thing today? Absolutely we can. Whenever we put the will of God second, we put ourselves first. When we put comfort first. You see, the Lord didn't save us to make us comfortable. He saved us to make us holy. And He saved us to give us a, a passion to pursue Him. And so, the first leg of this, or first part of this void was created by desertion. Some of you know the feeling of desertion. Now, it's one thing to be alone. It's another thing to be deserted. To be alone is a good thing. Sometimes that's a wonderful thing, to be alone. But to be deserted carries with it the notion, I hear the name of Judas in that. I hear echoes of Judas. You see, Jesus had his Judas. Paul had his Demas. Paul needed someone to help fill that void. But not only was the void created because of desertion, this void was created because of duty. Uh, did you notice the many names there? Right after he mentions Demas, in, in, he goes on to say that uh, Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Now, these guys didn't leave Paul because they deserted him. They left Paul because they were following the will of God. So sometimes desertion creates a void, but sometimes just sheer duty and obedience to the will of God will create voids in our lives. I, I remember when Went and Vicky surrendered to go to India. Now I had prayed, we had, Rose and I had prayed from before she, Vicky was ever born that, we, that she would do the will of God. 
that we wanted her to marry the right person, to follow the will of God. And so whenever they told us that God was calling them to India, I was thrilled to death. But if I was thrilled to death, why was it that when we left the airport after dropping them off with all their worldly goods in a few bags, why did Rose and I cry all the way home? I'll tell you why. Because there was a void in our heart that was created by duty. Every church I've ever left, I've left a part of my heart there. Some of you know what it's like to have a void because you've been deserted. Somebody you loved deserted you. Maybe a husband, maybe a, a wife, maybe a, a child. I don't know where or why that void's there, but I want you to know Jesus knows where it is. It was a void created by desertion. It was a void created by duty. It was a void created by death. Paul knew he was about to die. He needed somebody to come. One of the strongest Christians there ever has been. But he knew he was facing death. And at a moment like that, he didn't want to be alone. Void. But then, did you notice that man in verse 14? Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him. Let me throw out one more D word to you, if you're a note taker. That's the word discord. Desertion, duty, death, discord. Paul needed Timothy to, to be a brother and a, a prayer warrior and a, a friend because he had been deeply hurt by this man. We don't know what he did. Many scholars are of the opinion, and I just must say it is an opinion. We can't prove it. But many scholars are of the opinion that it was probably this coppersmith, Alexander the coppersmith, who turned Paul in after his second release and turned Paul into the Roman government, and they arrested Paul so quickly that he left behind his coat and his Bible. So it must have been a quick arrest. We don't know why. Maybe there's something, some other reason. But he's warning Timothy. He's saying, if he did it to me, he'll do it to you. And so he would created discord. You know, we need each other when we're going through those kinds of times. I remember a million years ago and a million miles from here, the worst Wednesday night of my life. I left our church, and as I pulled out of the parking lot, I said to my wife, for the first time, in 30 years. I don't know if I'll have a place to preach Sunday. My heart was broken. But at the same time, I had such an overwhelming peace from God.
unlike anything I had ever experienced. We drove out to our house, and when I turned into our, our address, I noticed there was a whole bunch of cars in my yard. And when I got out of the car, I was met by my deacons. And they said, Brother Tommy, you will not resign Sunday. We love you. We're standing with you. I'd wish they'd have stood with me a little more earlier, but they didn't. But I understand. And they said, you're not going to resign. It, and those men kept me on my feet. That's what Scripture says. Your words have kept me on my feet. I'm walking out of the funeral home. My dad has died, and my heart's broken, you know. And the phone rang, and the funeral director said, Brother Tommy, it's for you. And, and I reached and got it, and, and it was a friend of mine, an evangelist named Price Harris. And I said, Price, I'm on my way out. We're going to the funeral. He said, Brother Tommy, I'm not going to keep you. I just wanted to tell you, Brother Tommy, I love you, and I'm praying for you. That was all. And it was like the balm of Gilead flowing over my hurting heart. It was a wound. It was a wound. It was a hurt. It was a void that was created by discord. You know what that's like, whether it's in your home or your church. But when we're in those situations, we need each other. More than that, we need the Lord by His Spirit. So, let me move on real quickly. Y'all listening too good. I'll, I promise you, I, I know Wentz set a precedent. I've got to, you know, he'll never let me come back if I preach a long sermon. One fellow said, I've never heard a bad short sermon. So, I'm, I'm not going to, could, I could keep you here till 12, but I'm not going to. I promise. There's a second thing. I, I mean, I've, that's enough on that one. There was a, uh, he, he needed Timothy to fill a void. Number two, he needed Timothy to meet a need. What was that need? Oh, so simple. It's almost so simple, I, I, I hesitate to mention it. You know what he said? Bring my coat. Hey, you'll never get your name put in the Baptist record by giving somebody a coat. But God recognizes it. Ladies, when you make a cake or bake a pie or you give the visiting preacher a lemon icebox pie, <laughs> whenever you do anything like that, God notices. He notices that. And God cares. Paul needed his coat. It's wintertime. He's in the Mamertine prison. It gets cold. All that coat was was a poncho, a blanket with a hole in it he put over. It was clothing, but it was also his, his uh, way to stay warm. And he said, bring the, and he uses two words. And, and scholars are kind of debating what he means by this. But the first word, when he says, bring my, it's the word for papyrus. It's the cheap writing material. And, and, and I think this and, you know, uh, this and 
some other money will we'll make sure that, that uh, it might be this. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that that first word means writing material. I think Paul had another letter to write. Maybe to the Corinthians. You know, there's, there's two extant. There's a, a, one or two that's not extant, and they still needed another letter. They had a hard time getting it together. I think Paul still had another letter to write. He said, I'm not going to quit here in this jail. I'm going to live till I die. That's a word for some of you senior adults. You say, well, I've done my part. I'm going to leave it to the young people. Hey, that's, that's an ungodly attitude. That's an ungodly attitude. You may not be able to do anything but pray. But my dear precious friend, don't quit. And then he said, not only is there a void to fill and a need to meet. Uh, by the way, that last word, I didn't get to it. The first one means papyrus. It means the cheek. The second word is for the leather expensive material. It probably means bring me my scriptures. Bring me my Bible. Paul wrote half of the New Testament, but he couldn't live without his Bible. He had to have his Bible. All right. Here, let me finish this up. I, uh, one more thing. There was a void to fill, a need to meet, and there was a wound to heal. Do you see what he said? He said, when you come, bring John Mark. Remember him? If you go back to Acts 13 and 15, you'll notice that John Mark was the one. First of all, if you read the, in the Gospels, he's the guy, uh, the night they came and arrested Jesus, he's probably the one that uh, was there wrapped in a towel. And, and when they tried to get a hold of him, they grabbed the towel and he unwrapped that towel and ran home naked. That's probably John Mark. But anyway, later, John Mark wanted, uh, went on the first missionary trip with Paul and Barnabas. But what happened to it? You remember? He didn't go very far, and he backed out. He left Paul and Barnabas and came back home to Mama. We don't know why he became a missionary dropout, but he did. And so sometime later, they were getting ready for the second missionary journey, and Barnabas, Uncle Barnabas, because, uh, you know, John Mark was his nephew, Uncle Barnabas said, Paul, let's give John Mark another try. And Paul said, no way. No way. And he, they divided. Paul and Barnabas had such contention, they did the Baptist thing, multiplied and divided. That's the way we grow, you know, divide and multiply. And so Barnabas went one way with John Mark. He wouldn't give up on him. Paul went with Silas. Now years have passed. I wonder how many times Paul thought to himself, by the way, John Mark was discipled by Peter. If you'll, if you'll read the New Testament. John Mark became the disciple of Peter. In fact, many people believe the gospel of Mark is really the gospel according to Peter and that John Mark was his secretary, our Emanuensis. Now, years have passed and Paul said, you know, I wonder if I was too hard on that boy. I wonder. He's turned out to be a great Christian. And I wonder how many times Mark said, you know, Lord, uh, 
the best thing that ever happened to me was when Paul rebuked me. Shook me up. Woke me up. That's the best thing that ever happened to me. You see, that's God working all things together for good. So when Paul now says, bring John Mark. You know what that says to me? And it says, that wound is healed. That wound is healed. And Paul said, I want to I want this young man to be with me. I'm about to die. I want to see his face. You know, we need each other to help heal wounds. Some of you in this room, you've been wounded. You've been wounded by people. Maybe you've been wounded by a, a spouse, a family member, a, another Christian, a church member, maybe a pastor. A lot of people are live wounded. But listen, don't give up on God. Don't get mad at somebody and take it out on God. This is His church. It's not somebody's church. Amen? There are wounds to heal. Well, I don't have time to develop what, what uh, Timothy needed. But, but let me just say in closing this final application word. One of the, I guess the, the only thing I got time to say, and it moves me into the invitation, and that's why I'm going to say it. Timothy needed Paul to get him off a of dead center. Ephesus was a good church. He pretty much had a, had a good gig going for spiritual things. It wasn't, it wasn't an easy church. It was a tough church in a pagan city. But it was a growing church, a strong church. And for him to leave that strong church and come to a place and stand by a man that's on trial for treason, ha, let's balance that out. What should I rather do? You know what? We don't know if Timothy came. But I think God was giving, through Paul, was giving Timothy an opportunity to get off a dead center and say, son, do you mean what you say or are you just playing games? Come before winter. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I wonder if there's a need that needs to be met in your life. Maybe it's something very simple. Or maybe you know a need. Dear friend, let me, let me just challenge you as I give this invitation. Every one of us in these pews, probably every one of us knows somebody who has a need that we can meet. It may be financial. It may be uh, just a, a letter of encouragement. It may be a phone call. But they, they've got a, a wound or they've got a need that needs to be met. Or maybe there's a void in their life and you can help fill it. Folks, I'm telling you that these simple principles can be a catalyst for revival in the church. If we'll let Jesus, I, I, I say that, and I, that's not a good way to put it. We don't let Jesus. He's Lord. But if we will obey Jesus, surrender our hearts to Him, and let Him use us to fill voids, meet needs, and be a part of healing wounds. That can bring revival. Father, I don't know what's going on in the minds and hearts of your people here. 
I do know this, that you're able to use each and every one of us in some way. I'm so grateful for what you're doing here at Piperton. It's obvious that you're at work in this church, and I thank you for that. I thank you for the people here, for their sweet spirit. And Lord, I do pray that the things that you've begun, you'll bring to completion through Jesus Christ. Lord, we're praying today for the filling of voids, for the meeting of needs, and for the healing of wounds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Stand together as we sing a hymn to close out on. And, and uh, if you need to come forward today, I don't know, Brother Steve, is there someone you would receive from the church? Are you? Okay, Jim, Jimmy. Jimmy's here. Pastor may not be here, but that's all right. You still obey the Lord. God's spoken to your heart. You need to make a public decision. Jimmy will be here to help you and pray with you. Let's sing. sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com.